when I was a kid, young, 13, something like that, 12, I loved professional wrestling. And I remember me and Steve Homer had a, we had a chain match where we wrapped chains around our wrist so you couldn't get away. But when he turned left and I turned right and a thing ripped my arms to shred, I realized this is a stupid thing. So we're not gonna have a chain match today, but we're gonna have a team team match. See, we're talking about prayer and fasting, and there's a young college student who's gonna come up right now, Noah Mather, and he's gonna speak about fasting. He spoke on fasting a couple weeks ago at BASIC, and I, and I knew he was supposed to speak today. Praise God. Praise God, thank you. Um, so hey everybody, my name is Noah. Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting some of you already, but um, looks like not all of you. I see a couple of people I don't know, so. Um, thank you so much for having us, all of us college students. I just want to say we've been constantly, completely blessed by um, this church and how welcoming you guys have been. Um, we're in a, a new city, in a new school, at a weird point in our lives, and um, having just like the, this anchor in, in the city of Oswego that's just so just open. The first time I came here, you guys talked to me like I've been here forever, so it's um, one less thing that I have to worry about fitting into a new place, so I really appreciate that, and I think we all do, absolutely. Um, so oh, I'll tell you a little bit about my story, um, because I was raised in a church kind of like this one. Um, I couldn't really get away from it. My parents were amazing people. I love my parents so much, but they, they were super serious about God and church all the time. I, I probably skipped church once in my life, um, and I was like on, on death's door having the flu, and that was like, okay, you can, you can skip church today. Um, but every other week of my life, I was right in this front row here, and I was sometimes listening, and other times not at all. Um, and I was, um, the last couple of years I came, came to this weird point in my life where you, you know, everyone either comes to the faith, God, God pursues you, God reaches out to you, and he finds you where you are, or you're, you're lucky enough to be raised in it and brought up in it. But even for those of us who were, um, you still have to hit this point where you accept God, right? Um, because in, in a household, a household can be Christian. And, and in childhood and adolescence, your, your parents are sort of responsible for your faith, right? They're responsible for bringing you up and teaching you. And that's a wonderful thing. But when you become an adult, um, one day you just realize, oh, well, this is mine now. This is my faith 
this is my journey. I have to do something about this. And I didn't do that. I just uh, got to adulthood and uh, just continued to do nothing, right? Continued to do the same thing I did in the front row, not pay attention, not listen, didn't care whatever, whatsoever. Um, and God um, wouldn't let me do that for very long for some reason. And I, um, I want to thank Anthony and Annette and everything they do with this college group, because that was a big part of it. Um, I, I lived for a couple years just not caring about a single thing related to God whatsoever. Um, but I couldn't really get away from believing that he was real and that he was out there. And I didn't really want to have anything to do with God. But what I prayed was that um, I prayed, I said, okay, God, I will join this weird college group and I'll, I'll give it another shot. And, and if you're real, you can like, you can do something about it. I'll put myself out there for a couple weeks. I'll go to hang out with those people. And um, yeah, and, and if you're real, you know, get my attention and I'll stick around. And if not, I'll keep coasting through life like nothing matters. And uh, I guess he heard that. Um, and and um, this uh, college group was a huge part of that for me, so. Um, but within that last year or two, where I was, <clears throat> okay, thought I turn it off for a second. That, um, where I was suddenly responsible for my own faith now, right? Because it's not it's not the same as being a kid. Um, I realized that I was a Christian now. I cared about it now. And I, I look around at people like you guys in the church, people like Anthony and Annette, who are, you know, you're on fire for God and you're spiritually mature in my eyes. And I realized, oh man, I've been, I've been in the church, I've been saved for like 20 years. And I'm a baby, like I don't, I don't know anything. I'm completely brand new to this. Um, because this is, as far as being responsible for my own faith, I'm a couple months into this. Um, so that became worrying because I, I didn't know what to do next. You'd think I would know, but I did not know where I was going. I look at more spiritually mature Christians and I didn't know how to get there. Um, I didn't know how to make that sort of growth happen. Um, but I prayed about it, and I believe that if you want to know something, God will show it to you if you give him some time. So um, all my friends who know me know that I'm like I'm crazy about exercise and personal training working out, that's all I talk about. Um, so, this is like my favorite verse here. God brought this to my attention um, in 1 Timothy, and this kind of started me down this path of how to take control of my own walk with God. 
This is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. And it says, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. So I absolutely love that verse because of the first half, right? Um, because it really, really validates everything about my life that I'm already doing. The second half, not so much. It, um, I, I start thinking about what this means, right? Because I see a lot of people like people that I look up to, and I don't think they're spiritually more mature than me just because, you know, they come to church every week for a bunch of years. Um, because I did that. I sat in church for 20 years. Um, that didn't make me spiritually mature. I was still a baby. So I was like, what are, what are they doing that got them to grow? And how can I get there? Um, so we, we see this here. Training for godliness. What does that mean? What am I not doing that's training for godliness? Because that sounds fun. I want to do that. I love physical training. So, but what's this? What do you want me to do? Um, so that's, that's where we get into this concept of spiritual disciplines that um, God started to show me and really show me stuff that I was missing in my life. And in the, in the last year or so, the main... Um, spiritual discipline that God began to show me was fasting, and he showed me a lot um, about fasting, and I started to do it much more in my own life, and it really, it set me on a track of just feeling more in tune with God and feeling more spiritually alive. So, um, I this is something that helped me out a lot in my life, and I shared this a couple weeks ago because Anthony asked me to share something at basic. He didn't care what it was, but I, as long as I shared something. Um, so I decided to share this, you know, the, the thing that God's been teaching me I thought would be really helpful for our basic group. And then last week, Pastor Dick says we're going to talk about fasting next week. I was like, oh, that's what a coincidence, right? And then he called me a couple days ago. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> um, but, um, so the, the, the next thing that um, I began to study was what exactly fasting is, because I think I had a bit of a misunderstanding of it growing up. I definitely saw a lot of it. I saw my parents do it, people in my church do it. Um, it's kind of weird, right? These people are skipping meals, and that makes God love them more for some reason. I, okay, I, you know, that's not, it wasn't for me, but. Um, to um, understand this, I, I think the best place to go is obviously Christ himself and the example that he leads for us. That's, that's what this faith is all about. So in Matthew 6, um, I'm sorry, Matthew 4, um, verses 1 through 4, um, we see the story of Jesus fasting in the wilderness. 
and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, I, my minor in school is nutrition, and uh, I'm going to just tell you right now, do not go without food for 40 days and 40 nights. That's, that's a miraculous thing. Um, he's God. He can do that. Um, so don't take it that far, but um, he, we can still learn a lot from what he does here. Um, in verses 1 through 4, it says, um, So then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, um, what he's explaining here, I think th this meant a lot to me because he, he's stating somehow that instead of bread, he can live off of scripture, which... When I, when I heard this verse a lot growing up, I was like, well, that's just like a, that's just a metaphor. Um, it just means reading the Bible is good and you should do that. And I just moved on. I was like, well, I already knew that. But um, I think the, the thing that's really being symbolized here is that um, he literally means this, that man cannot live by bread alone because man... Um, they, Paul writes a lot more about this later in the New Testament, that man is not just our physical bodies, right? Man is flesh, and man is spirit. Um, and the spirit doesn't need bread to live, right? And the spirit is who we really are. Our physical bodies are just uh, a way for us to carry our spirit around in this world, right? Our physical bodies need bread to survive. That's what Jesus is saying here. But in the same exact way, like um, our spirit needs spiritual food, and that is the word of God. That's why we have this. Our spirit is sustained from everything that God says, and without it, our spirit starves, exactly like our physical bodies can starve. Um, and that's sort of where I was for a year or two, because I was, you know, I was hearing a lot of the word, having a lot of the word thrown at me, right? But I wasn't pursuing it myself. I wasn't eating it. My spirit was not being nourished. It was not being fed. And it, it was dying. It was starving. It was weak. And it was, it was dead. Um, thankfully, I believe that God can raise any spirit from the dead. And that's how we become saved, is our spirit can be born again, right? But to survive, we continuously need this food. So it's... Um, this is how I sort of began to understand why Jesus is going without food here, because it's it's kind of it's not just symbolic, but it's it's a very practical way for him to show us how to take our focus off of what the flesh needs, um, meaning the flesh needs food, right? So if you deny your physical body that food. Um, 
it's an amazing way to put 100% of your focus on what the spirit needs, this, what the spirit is hungry for, because our physical body is such a present, constant need and focus for us that um, it's very easy to forget and sort of suppress the hunger, because our spirits are supposed to be hungry. We're supposed to be craving the word of God, because that's, that's how he created us, that's how he designed us to have a desire for his word and his truth because it's so good for us. But um, through starving ourselves of that, um, eventually that, the hunger just wanes and it goes away as the spirit just sort of becomes dead. But that um, depriving the physical body just really awakens and focuses the spiritual hunger. Um, and that's, that's what that's all about. Um, I, I began to also look at what fasting is not because I had a lot of misconceptions about that. Like I said earlier, I, I almost felt like these people would feel like they, they starve themselves to get God to notice them more. And that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, it sounds like a very old-fashioned, kind of weird religious ritual. And... Um, that's, that's how it's always been. There's always been people that have misunderstood that. Um, in Matthew 6, Jesus talks about these people. Um, Matthew 6, verse 16, says, um, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, when, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward that they will ever get. So these people, they would decide, like, this week I'm, I'm going without food. I'm fasting completely. Then they would take dirt, put it all over their face. They would tear up their clothes. Then they would go outside. And people would be like, hey, what's, what's wrong with you? And they say, oh, I'm, I'm fasting. I just love God so much. And I'm in so much pain because I'm fasting for him. We're like, wow, this guy's so spiritual and he loves God so much. I, I wish I was like that guy. And that, you know, meaningless little fake admiration, that's all they get. Because God, the, the thought that we could impress God by not eating, um, I don't think he's too blown away by that. He's not, he's not really impressed very much. Um, and... And you think, people don't do that anymore. You don't see people outside with dirt on their faces telling us that they're fasting. But um, I, think, I think we do see this sometimes. I think it's easy for a lot of us to fall into. Um, I, I saw, I don't know, you see people online sometimes. Like, you ever seen a post online where it's like, oh, this is day eight of my fast. And it'll be like a 20-minute long video talking about how, how, much, um, how much they're pursuing God and how much God's changing their life and how little they've eaten today and just how hungry they are and how much they wish they could eat. And um, God's just thinking God's not impressed by that. And he's not following you on Instagram. And he's, he's, um, but the couple followers you might get, as Jesus said here, that's, it's your only reward. Which, which is sad, 
um, especially when you miss so many meals just for that. <laughs> um, so really, it's not, it's not a hunger strike, right? God's not saying, oh, this person's going through a lot of trouble. I better listen to him now. Um, some people, I used to think that uh, maybe I'm praying a lot. There's something that I really want help with that I really want to hear from God about. And he doesn't seem to be answering my prayer. So I'll fast and then he'll answer my prayer. Right? That's, that'll get me through. Um, that's, I, I don't consciously think that. Um, that God misheard me the first time, but we sort of live like that sometimes. We live, we live as if God isn't omnipresent and omniscient, meaning he's everywhere, he sees everything, he knows everything. He didn't not hear you the first time you prayed, and when you skip dinner, he's not suddenly noticing you now because he wasn't before. It's not quite how this works. Um, so, so what is it for? How, is it, how exactly is it helping us in our walk with God? Um, I want to look at another example in Scripture from um, Daniel. You might have heard of the term um, a Daniel fast, which is just a certain kind of fast. It's kind of trendy. I heard a lot about it online, and it's like a, like a diet craze almost, but that's not really what this is. Um, in, in Daniel, we have this account of the people of Israel being taken captive in Babylon. And Daniel and his friends are um, taken into the higher ranks of the king's men because they're the, the strongest and um, most able-bodied young men in Israel. And... Um, they try to put Daniel and his peers on this, the same diet as the top-ranking men in Babylon. And it's a lot of um, meats and alcohol that's, that's not clean, that they're not allowed to eat um, under the Old Testament law. And that's all the food they have, and that's all the food that they have to offer them. And Daniel says that, d decides that, um, following God's law is more important than eating the food that's presented to them. Even if it's really the only food that is presented to them, um, the, the king says, well, if you're not going to eat this food, if you're not going to eat this meat that we offer you, then you can't be, you can't be one of our top guys because um, being strong, it takes meat, it takes protein, it takes a lot of bread, it takes a lot of calories. I'll be the first to tell you, you got to eat a lot if you want to be in the military if you want to be strong whatsoever. Um, and all that Daniel and his peers had um, as an option was vegetables and maybe like some nuts and beans and water. And that's it. And that will not get you very far at all. But Daniel said, um, I will eat nothing but what God has allowed me to eat. And um, to prove himself to you, God will make me and all of us uh, much stronger than the men you have here that are eating all of this meat. The king said, okay, sure, I guess, we'll see. And um, weeks later, he's proven right. Daniel and his friends literally eat water and vegetables, 
and scientifically that should make you pretty skinny, but obviously our God is a miraculous God, and he makes Daniel and his friends just buff, shredded. They're the most powerful guys in the whole um, army of Babylon, and, and God is proven faithful and he's proven true. Um, and um, during this fast here of giving up all food, um, Daniel says that he's gone um, weeks without any rich foods. That means really any food, any food that's, that you would ever want to eat, any food that's pleasurable, any bread, anything that doesn't taste awful, like broccoli, he hasn't eaten in weeks and weeks and weeks, and it's just been water. Um, but he's been really using this fast as a time to pursue God, um, just like Jesus in the wilderness. He's using this time to avert his focus to pursuing God, praying, just praying constantly, and really seeking God, denying his flesh, and being attentive to his spirit, and how his spirit can be fed and be drawn closer to God. And this thing about strength, um, and how the king says, you know, how can you be strong without this food, without this meat that we're giving you? Um, this is paralleled spiritually as well. Um, Daniel eventually, after fasting for a while, has this vision, and he sees God, he sees the Spirit of God. In, in um, chapter 10, verse 8, it says, um, So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me, my, fra- my face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. And he falls to the ground, for God, right, because he's God. And in this vision, it's um, kind of symbolic. It's in the spiritual realm. And because God is so powerful and so overwhelming, um, and Daniel's spirit is very weakly and small, he just trembles and falls to the ground. He can't even stand in this vision. Um, and that's, that's symbolic of the fact that spiritually, um, we, we're not strong whatsoever. We're very small beings. We're very weak compared to God. Um, but the, the, God says here that his fasting is rewarded um, in verse... Sorry, verse... Um, verse 18. He says, Then the one who looked like a man touched me again, and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said. For you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. As he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, Please speak to me, Lord, for you have strengthened me. So spiritually, we see here um, this theme of strength again, because Daniel, in his fast, he specifically denied himself all food that logically should make him strong in, in his physical body. Um, and we see that paralleled spiritually here with, well, if, if meat is what makes your body strong, what makes the spirit strong? And that is the, the actual presence of God. Because without God, the spirit's nothing. Our spirit can take nothing. We can handle nothing without him. But we see the instant God touches Daniel spiritually, he's instantly filled with strength. He stands up and he says, okay, speak to me, God, I'm ready you have strengthened me. Um, 
So again, we see fasting from something physically that, that directly links to something that the Spirit needs. Um, in, in Jesus' fast, we see this, the body needs food for just basic survival. Um, and he, he clearly shows how um, the Spirit for survival needs food in the same exact way. It needs the Word of God. And for Daniel, that's strength. Um, his body needs physical strength. And again, spiritually, his spirit needs strength. And he fasts in order to, to let God show him that spiritual strength and give it to him. So fasting, it's only half about these things that you're giving up, that you're denying to yourself. It's about what you're allowing God to give to your spirit instead. It's really just a tool that God is showing, showing us how to use in order to give our spirit more attention, to give more of him, uh, more control of our spirit to him. So we use fasting as sort of a tool. So how this practically works, I, I remember as a child, um, when, when my parents would fast, they would say, okay, um, we're fasting in our house now, we're fasting today. So I'd be like eight years old, and they really liked to make me feel involved, and they said, so you should, you should pick a meal today, and you're going to not eat it. You're going to fast from it. I was like, okay, whatever. I, um, I, it was like a weekend, and I was sitting on the couch. I was playing my video games, right? And then I look at the clock, and it's noon, and I'm like, oh, man, it's lunchtime. Uh, and then I remember I'm fasting. I'm like, oh, that's, uh, I really wanted to eat. I was looking forward to that. Oh, well. And I keep playing my video game, and the day goes on, and I go to bed. And I wake up the next day, well, I guess God loves me more now. I'm a better Christian now. Great. It's, it's awesome. It's easy. I ate dinner five hours later anyway. It was fine. Um, but that didn't really do much for me, did it? It's not, it's not helpful. Um, simply doing a little act of service like that, that's not what God is impressed by. Again, God is not... Um, it's not like an exchange of, if you put yourself through a little bit of pain, I'm going to reward you with um, some, some spiritual brownie points or something. God is not impressed by pain or suffering. Um, there's a purpose for it. And if, if you don't take advantage of that purpose, um, you're really not getting the point of fasting. So the more practical way we can do that is we, we take the focus that we would have taken to feeding our physical body, so you take that half hour or hour you would put into preparing your lunch or your dinner and you, you just sit down and you feed your spirit you let God feed your spirit you um you get in the word you let him show you scripture or you just pray you just pray it was very very hard for me. It still is hard for me to just pray for half an hour or an hour straight but um because you feel like you have to have things to say all the time you really don't um, you, can just, you can just sit and listen and meditate, and um, that's hard to do. But when you're fasting, it's, it's a bit easier because you, you feel this, this purpose and this drive. You feel that physical hunger, right? And that's a constant reminder of your spiritual hunger that you're trying to fulfill and that you're trying to satisfy. Um, and I, I feel like God almost gave us it's like he gave us these physical needs um, as a reminder of our spiritual needs, right? And 
Um, it's, it's really a shame to not use this tool of fasting every once in a while, just as, as it, it really helped me grow in my faith a lot. I found myself just much closer to God. I felt that I could hear God better when I, I just get other things out of my focus because um, the things that our physical bodies and minds want are just a constant bombardment on our life. It's, it's endless. We want food one second, and then we want entertainment the next second, and then we need this thing and that thing. Um, and, and practically, we can, we can expand this to a lot more than food. I personally believe um, the, there's a lot of medical reasons that some people can't, but if you can fast from food, um, I, I believe you absolutely should because every example in scripture it's food because food is that thing that God's given all of us as a physical need um, because without it our, our bodies starve and die and he's trying to show us without him our spirits starve and die um, and so every time in scripture Jesus and Daniel and the prophets when they fast it, there's always food involved so I would encourage you um, if you can it doesn't have to be a day without food. It could be one meal, or it could be, like Daniel, certain foods, certain ways to deny yourself pleasure or, or smaller needs here and there. It really is, is a tool, because if, if it worked um, for Jesus, like I, I promise you, if your heart is in the right place, if your intentions are with God, um, it will work, and it, you will be rewarded. God will see you. Um, it, um, God doesn't prevent, present uh, strategies in Scripture that don't work. Um, I promise you that. And I doubted that a lot when I started. But um, I, in the first couple months of being truly saved for myself, I did this. And it took, like, it wasn't until the third day of fasting that I really began to um, feel like I was hearing from God. And it's not that God wasn't speaking to me the whole time. It's just that I wasn't listening the whole time because my mind is so caught up in, in this physical reality all the time. Um, you can sit down for five minutes and pray real quick, but you're really just not in tune spiritually all the time. But um, what God promises here and shows us constantly is that by denying ourselves physically, um, it's a surefire way to get us to draw near, closer to God spiritually. And I believe it always works. Um, and in addition to food, there's plenty of other things you can fast from. Um, I believe, in general, while fasting, life should just... You might find yourself just focusing on yourself less in general. I don't think. I don't think while he was out in the wilderness, fasting for forty days, that Jesus was filling his time with a lot of um, vain entertainments and stuff. I don't think he. It, I don't think if they had, um, you know, late night TV at that time, that Jesus would be spending his time fasting and watching TV when he got bored, and skipping meals at the same time. Um, I'm not saying that every single second of your entire day has to be reading scripture, but 
um, by denying yourself. It, it, when, I, when I have that urge to just like go online and, and watch videos and stuff or play a video game or whatever, um, in the same exact way, denying yourself that, you're like, okay, if this is what my flesh wants, if this is what my mind wants, my physical mind, what does my spirit want um, that I'm not listening to? What does God want for me that I'm not listening to? And constantly, every physical, worldly thing that I want begins to serve as a reminder for a spiritual thing that I didn't know I wanted, that once I pursue and once I let God give to me, is so much more deeply fulfilling because the spirit is it's everlasting, it's eternal, and the, the flesh is just physical and temporary. Um, and fasting, just again and again, is um, perfect at, at showing that and, and refixing your focus on God and onto the spirit. And that's really what this is about. It's not where I thought it was a couple years ago. You're not getting God's attention. You're not bringing God closer to you. You're not making him notice you. It's not a hunger strike. You're pulling yourself, your flesh kicking and screaming. You're pulling yourself closer to God every time you fast. And it's become um, uh, just a huge part of my life. And God has always brought me closer to him and shown me things that I never even knew I needed every time I fast. And um, I was delighted to hear that um, we're, we're doing fasting here, and I was really thankful that um, Pastor Dick trusted me to share the things that I felt God was telling me recently, um, and I appreciate you guys listening. So, thank you. to God when he speaks. So as I close, why don't you close your eyes. One of the things I liked that Noah said in his notes, fasting is a method of repositioning ourselves in alignment with God, not vice versa. <clears throat> Isaiah says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he is abundant. He will you. We thank you, Lord, that you're calling us closer. Father, we thank you you've called us to three days of prayer and fasting that we will deny ourselves to draw closer to you Lord not to manipulate you not to cause you to move but we will humble ourselves in your sight Lord your word tells us the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak Father I pray that we would each individually seek you and say what does this fast mean for me and I pray, Lord, 7 o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we would be here as a family, seeking you for direction on this church in which way to go, Lord. 
Father, thank you for Noah's faithfulness. Even as he kidded in the beginning and said, when I called, it wasn't supposed to happen. Faith accepts your call when we don't expect it, or let's be honest, when we don't necessarily desire it. Lord, you are calling us to a new place. As you speak to each heart in this room, Lord, let us not leave today and have these words fall on deaf ears. Let us say yes and amen. Be glorified, Lord, in your name. Amen. So, as we go through each day, like the first day, you know, this thing here, read Isaiah 45, then the next day, read the next, etc. I'm excited to see what God's doing. Let's stand up and say amen. Blessings. <laughs>